to you live from Columbia, Missouri. This is The Hot Corner with your hosts, Patrick Harrion, Michael Imami, and Logan Franz. One hour of nonstop sports starts right now. And good morning, Columbia, and welcome to another edition of The Hot Corner. I'm your host, Patrick Herring, and alongside me is Logan Franz and the Michael Amami. And guys, it actually felt warm this week. You guys can agree with me this week. Stop lying. That's fake. Stop lying. It was not warm today. Well, today that's wasn't. what mattered. Today it's, is what matters. It's still early in the morning. It was warm this week. We were in the 50s I most of the week. I rank my weeks by what happens on Fridays. I took the shorts out. That's enough. That right there is enough to say. One day of shorts is not enough for me. I don't know. One day of shorts is not enough for me. You must live a sad life. In in the 50s. That's debatable. <laughs> if, if it's in the 50s, that's a success. We've had so many weeks of bitter cold and just being miserable. I think we can count this as a win. I think we need to hedge our bets and count our victories. I think this works. I think this is a victory for spring. You know what? It'll be in the 90s one time and just like the great decade of the 1990s. Hot weather in the summer will be fantastic. I mean, summer's kind of a ways away. Yes, but we're getting closer and closer every day. It's more. It's more. Also, spring. I don't know what the 1990s had to do with that statement, but you do you. Because it's in the 90s, so it's in the 90s. Going off of that, we're going to head right into what we're going to talk about today. And I think the big news is surrounding the National Football League's offseason and a free agency. Because we've seen a lot of crazy trades and signings happening. More importantly, you've seen Antonio Brown get traded. You've seen Odell Beckham also get traded. Two of the biggest trades of the offseason so far. What do you guys think? I think that I'm really intrigued by the two, Antonio, the Antonio Brown and the Odell Beckham trade, mainly the difference in value between the two because the only thing different about them is mainly their age. Antonio Brown is 30, Odell Beckham is, I believe, 25. And you get this difference in value where Antonio Brown only went for a third and a fifth, and Odell Beckham went for a first round, a third round, and Jabril Peppers. So I don't know where this difference in value came from. The Steelers looked like they were just... They just wanted to get rid of Antonio Brown at this point. I, I think that value has to come from the fact that Antonio Brown's kind of a drama queen. We've seen it a lot. I'm going to have to agree, um, and I think Odell Beckham is the same way. And, and no question about it, the talent, I think, is is by far um, exceeds a, lo- a lot of what we had seen this past year. But with the, you know with Odell Beckham and being in New York all the all those years and him playing such, at such a high level and <laughs> making Eli Manning look like a superstar... Um, I will still argue that he's an he's at least an average quarterback, but anyway, um, yeah, definitely, definitely um, locker room issues with both of them, and I think that's part of the reason. I think that's majority of the reason. Actually, I will go out on a limb and say that of why they ended up on different teams in 2019. I've got a question for you, Michael. Is Odell Beckham Jr. a locker room issue for being passionate? I don't think passion is the right word. I think we saw multiple instances of him where I think. He's kind of out of sync with the team. I think. When did we ever see an example have, of that? I think when you have, he reminded me a lot of DJ Swearinger, where you go against your team, you go against your quarterback's wishes, and you know, in some cases, he is right, and I don't think that he's wrong necessarily in a way, but the team chemistry messes up. And do I agree with the Giants siding with Eli Manning over him, and of course Landon Collins, who the Redskins picked up? I will not blame Odell Beckham for wanting to leave, and I, I certainly think the Browns won off this trade, and I don't agree with what the Giants did. But for team chemistry's sake, yes, I think the trade needed to happen. In spite of how good of a player he is, he was a locker room issue. When did Odell Beckham ever go against Eli Man- Like The issue with Antonio Brown was that he went against Ben He's Roethlisberger, and the team, the team chose to go with Ben Roethlisberger over Antonio Brown, but Odell Beckham never had that issue. He never went against yeah, he the team. Did. He was he, just passionate about football. Passionate also, Dave Gettleman, Dave Gettleman gave him a five-year extension and then said, we are not going to trade Odell Beckham. He's a valuable piece of this football team. One week, late, one week later, they trade Odell Beckham. That's not being a locker room issue. They wanted him to stay on the football team, and then they just trade him away to the highest bidder. That's I not, not disagree more. being a distraction. That's just an inept organization. I don't think so. I think Odell Beckham was a distraction for this team, and I think we saw that a lot throughout the regular season. I mean, we we saw it, especially. I mean, and throughout the years. I mean, this is the. I mean, his personality, his attitude. It, it's kind of interesting because when you see it happen, when you see him have a bad day, particularly, most notably, uh, one example of that, and this is just one example, was in 2015, most notably, where he kicked the net. 
that was the kind of personality that he had. And yes, he is passionate, and he is a very, very loud voice in that locker room, and I think he'll be a very, very huge leader for Cleveland. He'll be Most poignantly, I think he will be a superstar over there. But I can understand what Gettleman and Mara are doing here, because when you have a re- receiver like that, the personality, as you said, the passion comes with, I think DJ Swearinger was an example of somebody who was passionate. Okay, we love passion. I love passion. But you know what? Sometimes it becomes too much for an organization. And I understand that they wanted to re-sign him because they think the benefits would have outweighed the cost there and keeping him because his personality, and I will say this again, he's very, very loud. He's a huge influence in the locker room. In some cases, it's a negative influence. But DJ Swearinger was an example of somebody who was passionate and a fantastic player and whose voice, in a different way, of course, he went against the coaching staff, but that ended up hurting him. So in the way, whether it not be one specific example, through the course of the years that he's been in New York, Odell Beckham has proven to be a nu- nuisance for some of the coaching staff and Eli Manning. So we've got other things to get to. We've got to move on here in a bit. But I just have one question for you. He's a distraction in New York, but he'll be a leader in Cleveland. How does that add up? He needs – it can't go both ways. He's been – A fresh inf- start for him. He's been an influence in New York. He's been a great player for that team, probably the best player on that team. And I don't, I don't see, I never saw him ever going against any of the players on that team. He was just, he was, a, going he was just passionate. You just said he was going against I, Eli Manning, said, and that's why he got traded. Well, and not specifically because he goes against Eli Manning, but because of the frustration that he had in New York. And I think the issue is, is he's going to be a winner in Cleveland. Things are going to end up working out better. Change of scenery is beneficial for the. He's also going to have an actual good quarterback. Well, yeah, Baker Mayfield is better, and I think that you know, as I said, John Mara, David Gettleman. We're not wise to side with Eli Manning over these two people, Landon Collins and Odell Beckham. But that said, them being together would not work. In I don't think it was an issue of who they sided with. I mean, they chose to pay they chose to pay Eli Manning over them, but I don't think it was an issue of whose side are you on. It was an issue. It, there wasn't like this dispute between them like there was with Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger. No, it wasn't like that. You could have kept I'm all just three. Saying, what I'm just saying is, is that his personality can be problematic for this team. We've seen it before. And I think that's what Dave Gettleman was getting at, is like the personality of this guy can be a bit of a problem. And there was a bit of a feud last year between him and Manning. You saw it, I saw it. And whether or not those issues had been resolved, we still saw a little bit of some of that anger transpiring over the course of this season. But a lot of it was suppressed by the media. So you can see... That there was an issue there, in spite of how good, in spite of him being a fantastic player, there was an issue there. And I know they had the, the feud with Eli Manning a little bit, but some of the best uh, solutions to problems is when two players talk to each other. Right. And I know nobody does that anymore. Exactly. And his the passionate way that Odell plays is is more than enough to keep him on a team. We've, I've seen players who, when they don't play good, they will go out there and get mad at themselves and. That alone will fire them up for the next game. And I think that's important to look at Odell Beckham because I think he played better after that. I never thought he was like a diva or a distraction. He's had issues, but I never thought it was he was at the level that Antonio Brown made his out to be. I always thought he was just passionate about football. He wanted to win games, and he wasn't doing that in New York, and he was frustrated. And I think that's valid. I don't think he was some sort of distraction that needed to be gone. I think he was just, he wanted to win football games, and he wasn't doing that in New York. He never demanded a trade like Antonio Brown did. He never publicly went out and started doing all these things like Antonio Brown did. He was just quiet in the background, and all of a sudden, a week after saying, we're not going to trade Odo Beckham, we want to keep him on the team, Dave Gettleman goes out and trades him. I think it's just an inept organization. It's not on Odo Beckham at all. Right. And no, I, know, I, I know all of us here were not expecting that trade. I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't either. I don't agree with it, and I wasn't expecting it, but I can understand why it happened. And personally, I think Odo Beckham benefits more from this than anybody else because... He's going to have a good quarterback in Baker Mayfield going in Cleveland, and he's going to have a fantastic receiving core. That team is going to win a whole – I think that team is going to win a decent number of games next year, and they're going to be very, very good. And Odo Beckham is the winner in this trade. So good luck to him. Um, he will be happy over there. Change of scenery will benefit players. I think the Browns are the favorite in the AFC North after that trade. They traded for Olivier Vernon also from the Giants, who gives them some help around the edge alongside Miles Garrett. They traded for, or they signed Sheldon Richardson in free agency, a nice D tackle for them. Then they have their offensive core consists of Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, Duke Johnson. If they don't trade him, he's still there. Odell Beckham, Antonio Callaway, Jarvis Landry, that's a great trio of wide receivers. I think this team 
has a nice core in place, a nice young core, and that can be lethal for years to come. I'm really excited about the Browns this year. I can see them going potentially pretty far in the playoffs, actually. I could, too. I think big, we always see these second-year teams really grow. We saw it with the Eagles a couple years back and the Bears this year. You see those teams with a second-year quarterback kind of grow, and then even the Rams a couple years back, we saw it as well. I think you're going to see that, and then what's going to happen is they're going to hit the first round of the playoffs, and they're going to fall off because the team just has a lack of playoff experience. And I think that's valid, and I think that kind of happens in the NFL. But I think for years to come, this team is built solidly, and I think it has a solid foundation. And you saw that that kind of first-round playoff thing. I know, I'm know i going to go here. I'm going to say you saw it in the Bears a little bit. And you see it in other sports as well. Teams will struggle the first time to make the playoffs. There's always those rare occasions where all of a sudden a team of a bunch of rookies will go far. It happens. I'm not going to say it never happens, but you see it with a lot of teams. They do struggle after making the playoffs for the first time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, with young with young teams, you know, they're they're fallible. They're going to make mistakes, and um, you know, guys, as I always say, inexperience um, plays a role. I mean, that's why you don't always see these young teams winning Super Bowls. A lot of the time, it comes with guys who have had years of experience. You know, the losers. You know, the, you know, it, it takes years of losing to become a winner, and from rising from the failure and the hardship and becoming something strong and becoming a winner out of that is what makes this game so great. And I think that's what we learn in, in sports all the time. And Cleveland, you know, I agree, Logan. I think this is a team that will go first round of the playoffs. I think I could say they probably go second round. Um, but I don't think they're going to get further than that um, next year, even with all the talent that they have. I think Beckham is going to prove to be a fantastic addition. Um, I think... Uh, Baker Mayfield's going to do really good. They got Chubb with the running back position. They got Landry. The defense has gotten stronger. So I think Cleveland has set themselves up for success. Um, I'm not going to expect too much out of it next year unless they give the Chiefs a run for their money, which would be very, very exciting. Um, But you're right. Favorites is a good way to put it, I'd say. Yeah, I just think I I can't see them getting past the first round because we've seen it so many times where teams that are inexperienced fail our fall out in the playoffs so i mean they very well could make it past the first round it's just something that i think experience helps with a lot and the teams that are more experienced the patriots maybe even the steelers if they make it they'd have to make the wild card but teams that are more experienced are going to probably make them even the chiefs would be more experienced in the playoffs at that point now i'm going to turn a little corner here and say i only take some time to talk about antonio brown and a trade i think the raiders got a steal they did, and I think it's going to be not talked about a lot because the Raiders still have a long ways to go to be better, but they got Antonio Brown for a third and a fifth round pick. They did add to his deal, which is one of the stipulations of his trade. I have from Pro Football Talk, Antonio Brown's three-year three year haul will increase from $38.925 million to $50.125 million per source. No new years will be added. So he didn't get any new, new years added to his three-year deal, but he did get a considerable increase in his contract, which of course, is one of the stipulations of his trade. So I think this was a great deal by Oakland. Not only did they get one of the best wide receivers in the league, but they got him for relatively cheap because of the issues that were going on with the Steelers. It kind of felt like towards the end of it, after what happened with the Bills and the fallout of that, they were just trying to give him away, and they just gave him away to the highest bidder, and the highest bidder was really not willing to give up that much. And I think he will help, especially with how many first-round picks the Raiders have and how many draft picks they have in general this year. And they didn't have to give up any one of them for right. Antonio Brown, which is a steal in my opinion. If I'm the Steelers, I'm like, you have three first-round picks. I want one of them for Antonio Brown. I think they just wanted to get away from him. Like you said, you just want to just, like, just push him off the side, get away, go away. We don't want your your, go away. your problems here anymore. But the Raiders, that's it's just that's like the, the biggest win you can see in any trade I've seen. I wonder... It's a what-might-have-been scenario because they won't have another first-round pick in this case. But if they still kept Amari Cooper, I'm really liking that receiver core at the moment. I just don't know who else they have. Well, they did cut Jordy Nelson. Core. They did. And they he's, cut Jordy Nelson. He was 32 years old. That was kind of expected. But I don't know who else they have in that receiving core. Do they still have Martavis Bryant? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know who else. I have not Raiders... heard about Martavis Bryant. So they may have cut him again, or he may have gotten involved in some problems. But I don't know who else they they have in that receiving core. In the yeah, he's a free Oakland. agent. Their uh, their solution to that whole problem was probably draft some guys with how many how many picks they have. Yeah, number four. 
DK Metcalf was a huge um was a rumor. There was a rumors that DK Metcalf might go at number four, and then they might draft some defensive players at the other two first round picks. I Oakland has a chance to be good this year, but they would need to hit on all three of those first round picks, which is very unlikely. It's very unlikely, but I can see it. Yeah, I think Oakland's about three years away, I would say, um, from being a very, very good team. How how they've managed to kind of trade all their players and get these draft picks, it it would not surprise me if they were able to go perfect on the draft picks they have in the first round. Right. They're a smart organization. Yeah. They've still got a lot of holes, though. They're losing Marshawn Lynch, so they need to fill a hole at running back. I don't think Jalen Richard is the answer in Oakland. They need. Yeah, they need a lot of players on defense Oakland's defense had 13 sacks last year as a team that is less than some players in the NFL had I believe the number is eight I can double check that but they were bad last year they need a lot of work that defense does you know what honestly and what I can see Oakland doing here um Oakland can become the Cleveland Browns the offseason darlings of this season and what they have to do is they have to be able to maintain um, that strength within their offseason. Get acquire some good players, draft smart. Something that is easier said than done, obviously. But if you're Oakland right now, you're about three to five years away, I'd say, from becoming a very good team, depending upon how you handle this draft class. And I think that if they handle it correctly, they can be very, very solid with a lot of young guys that can develop and become very, very strong. I just want to chime in on the stat. I just gave 13 players had 11 or, more, or 13 or more sacks on the season, five of which had 13 on the dot. So I just wanted to yeah, confirm that for you guys. It's that's bad. Yeah. Also, one of the biggest deals, I think, of free agency, and I don't think it's really up for debate, is Le'Veon Bell going to the Jets for four years and $52.5 million. I think the Jets have been big players in free agency for good reason, and I think they have a chance to have a pretty decent offense next year. I think I think in a draft that's pretty weak in offensive talent, they really managed to build a decent offense with Le'Veon Bell, Jameson Crowder, Josh Bellamy. They traded for Cleccio Semele to solidify that offensive line. And now they picked up C.J. Mosley, who's a solid centerpiece, but I think they're going to try and build that defense through the draft. I think the Jets have a clear vision for this offseason moving forward, and I think they could have a solid team in this next season. Yeah, here's what I like about the Jets. Okay, and I'm just going to put this out there because I know Jamison Crowder is a factor in that. Um, they got they went out, and they didn't necessarily get all the big names, but they got the guys that were solid. Jamison Crowder being an example of a good slot guy that can um, do a lot of positive things for teams. And we saw that in Washington where he was kind of the number one, but not really deserving of being in the number one in New York. He'll definitely fit the vo- uh, fill the void ve- better. Um, and obviously the addition of C.J. Mosley was, was huge on defense, but... If you're the Jets right now, I'll be feeling good, and here's why. Adding the offensive pieces that you got with the defensive pieces that you got, and they weren't like, I mean, Mosley was huge, but I, I feel like they're top three in winners of this draft or of this free agency market because they went out there, they were so aggressive, they got a lot of key guys, and they've rebuilt their team around Darnold, and you know what? I'm liking where they're headed. I really do, and I think that if they get the right pieces in place, I mean... Talk of Cleveland being good. I could see the Jets being good for the first time in a while. Yeah, I kind of want to go around the table a little bit for a winner of free agency, if you guys have one, because I definitely have a winner of free agency. I I have an easy winner. Okay, I'll let you go first. The Cleveland Browns. Getting Odell Beckham just solidifies that team is going to be a threat next year, and it is the reason why that they're going. That's my winner. The reason why they're my winner. <laughs> Okay, I my winner of free agency is, for me, I'm choosing the San Francisco 49ers. And the reason for that, they signed Quan Alexander, who is a centerpiece of that defense. Four years, $54 million for him. They got Tevin Coleman, who I think can be a lead back in that offense oh, for, yeah. for cheap. The only issue with that is they have Jarek McKinnon and Matt Breed already in that backfield, so it's a little muddied up how that's going to work. I don't know what exactly is going to happen to all the money they gave McKinnon. That's a little that's a little cause for concern. So how that backfield ends up is going to be a little concerning to me. But they also got D Ford, a star pass rusher from the Chiefs for only a second round pick, and then he signed a five year eighty seven six eighty seven point five million dollar with the 
$87.5 million deal <laughs> with the team. It's early. And they also franchise tagged kicker Robbie Gold, who has been the most reliable kicker in the league for the past two years. So I think a great offseason, a great free agency for San Francisco. And I think with Jimmy Garoppolo coming back, if he's at full health next season, I think that can be they can be a real threat in the NFC. Okay, um, I my initially my winner of free agency was going to be the team that signed Earl Thomas, but it's not. Um, <laughs> well, I have I mean, the Ravens as my losers. Ravens, uh, yeah, exactly. That was my joke because obviously Earl Thomas is not necessarily the player that he was. But well, I think Earl Thomas is a great player, but the Ravens lost a lot on. Defense. I know they did. They lost a listen, lot of pass listen, rushers. It's Cleveland. It's Cleveland. Okay, it's Cleveland. The reason why it's Cleveland, Patrick pointed it out. I'm going to restate it. Adding Odell Beckham was huge. And I think that with an offense like that and their defensive additions and how they're going to gel together and how they're going to strengthen, I think that Cleveland can be a real, real powerhouse threat next year. And if they do the, if they do this right, which is hard to do because the football is football and things happen, but if they're able to gel around this and they're able to you know hone in on the talent that they've got and play well and manage well with good coaching, it'll be a good team. All right, that's it for our segment here. We're going to head off to break. When we come back, we're heading back to the Alliance of American Football. You're listening to the Hot Corner. Stay tuned. Every Thursday morning at 8 a.m., KCOU 88.1 FM is the place to be. Make the most of your morning commute by tuning into The Cast, the Colton Anderson Sports Talk with me, Colton Anderson. Together with my partner in crime, David Coons, we break down the weekend sports with original angles and opinions you won't find anywhere else. There's no other place to be on Thursday mornings than the cast. The Colton Anderson Sports Talk with David Coons on KCOU.FM, KCOU on the TuneIn app, and of course, 88.1 FM, KCOU Columbia. Hey, what's up? Holla at your boy. XOXOXO. You getting these texts? Question mark. Where are you? What are you doing? OMG, you are making me mad. You better text me back. I'm waiting outside your house. Relentless, aggressive texting is like sending an angry robot to deliver your message. When does the robot become dangerous? Let us know at that's not cool.com. That's not cool.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Playing the old. And the new. Columbia. And welcome back to the Hot Corner. We're heading to the Alliance American Football. And after last week's games, it was a great improvement. I thought last week's games were some of the best games we've seen in this young league. I totally agree. I think that looking at last week's games and how much higher scoring they were, I think every team has finally found their identity, and I think every team has a chance to compete. And I know we saw probably one of my most favorite endings in any football game with the San Diego Fleet. Yes. That, that brought that tears still to my hard. eyes. Brought tears to my eyes, too, but I was <laughs> sad because... It was a incredible ending, and I think the best ending I've seen in a long time in any NFL and AAF game, I'll put that one out there, it was just incredible. From the last second two-point conversion to give Salt Lake the lead, and then Mike Berkovitsky hauling that pass out to Dantes Ford and then the field sure goal by luck. Donnie Hagman to win the game. It was just incredible. And seeing them carry off Donnie Hagman off the field, it, it, it I don't know, this is going to sound weird, but it, I had flashbacks to seeing how they carried off Mike Ditka in the Super Bowl in 85. Yeah, and you don't see that a lot in the NFL anymore. Players getting carried off the field or something like that. And it just, it made me really happy to see these players just, obviously they really love the game and they're really having fun out there. Even if they're not necessarily in the NFL or they know they're not going to make it to the NFL, and maybe they don't know that, but if they're not in the NFL, they're excited to get that second chance and they're just having fun out there and it's really fun to watch. And that's what this league's all about. These second chances is part of the reason why I care so much about it. Because I feel like all these players who didn't make we it know in, you in, do. in the pros, it feels so nice to see them go out there and have that chance to make their names known again. You see Trent Richardson, someone who wasn't as good in the NFL as he was in college, being out here in the AAF and playing good. It's nice to see it. 
It truly is. I'm really a fan of it, and Patrick's I think it's been now. a great season. So f- <laughs> I think it's been a great season so far. I feel like it has been, um, and I'm mad because um, that win of yours came at my expense. Um, but that said, um, I'm still thrilled that the quality of the games are going up. I'm becoming more of a fan, to be honest with you. Um, I wasn't. I was initially off it, and then I'm getting back into it because. As I said, the quality of the games are going up, and they're becoming more interesting. We saw a lot of games that were decided by three points or less last week. And you know what? I'm a fan of it. I love it. We have finally converted, Michael. You we have, have it happened. finally converted. You Michael better be <laughs> on it because your Salt Lake Stallions are playing my Memphis Express this week. Oh, yeah. What do you guys think about that game? We'll start gonna, with that one. We're going to well, nail you. I have a feeling this is going to be a little bit of Battle of the Bad. Um, I don't think so. A little bit. Both teams are one and four. I think Zach Mettenberger has been one of the better quarterbacks over the past few weeks. I just think he's run into a little bit of bad luck, some some issues with the rest of the team. I think Atlanta played really well against Memphis last week. We had two defensemen missing, so if we can get them back, that'll be an issue. Anthony Johnson was one of the bigger names we were missing on the defensive line. If we can solidify that front, that's been kind of the centerpiece of our defense. I think that'll help a lot. So I think Memphis has a real chance to win this game, especially if Anthony Johnson does return. They have, they finally have an offense, and I think they can be competitive with almost anyone. Yeah, I agree. And um, obviously, um, if you're going to win this week, it's going to come at my expense. But I just got to say this. Um, I don't think one and four adequately describes the Salt Lake Stallions record. Um, last week, I felt like... We're a little bit cheated out of a good record. Um, not cheated because you guys cheated, but like cheated in life. Like, you know how you get cheated. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you feel me? Like, you get, you get, like, you know, you get the L, but you didn't really deserve the L because some crazy thing happened and the other team won and it was just crazy. So that's kind of what hey, happened. It's like one in four does not adequately describe how we've played this year. I'm proud of it. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be. Uh, there and I'm happy to be a Stallion fan. I'm loyal to my team and That's I care terrible. about my team <laughs> and I'm proud of it and I'm going to rep them this weekend and we're going to beat Memphis because I care. I care. So, All caps, I care. So the listeners can't see this, but I just rolled my chair closer to Michael here in the studio. He did. I want to hand this to you. Yes, it's an L, I think. It's the L you're going to take this week. Okay. But I think... Okay, I see it. We are spelled... <laughs> we can't spell Stein without two L's. However... I think... Um, I, I want to actually make a point about the point you said earlier. Yeah, go ahead. I think both teams are better than their 1-4 and four record. I think both teams have run to strokes of bad luck, are maybe just one team starting Christian Hackenberg for two and a half weeks. But I think with Woodrum getting hurt for the Stallions, that hurt them a lot. And then they ran into bad luck this week with giving up a play, a big play on defense at the very end of the game. It's not a play you want to give up and they probably shouldn't have given it up. But I think also just bad luck is not something, it's not something you want to have happen to your team like that. So I think they are a lot better than their one and four record. And I think with the League that in a league that only has ten weeks, it might be a little hard to recoup at the end of the season here. But I think you can still hope for a late season run. That's kind of what I'm hoping for with Memphis right. as well. So, might be a little tough, but you got to keep your head up and keep hoping. Because both of these teams have played well. Salt Lake lost San Diego last week. You, Memphis lost as well. It were, they weren't bad games. Yeah, two weeks removed from talking about a lack of parity, I'm talking about how every team has played well and. I feel like any team can still be in the mix. It's just a matter of what team can go on a run. The only team I feel like is head and shoulders separated from the rest is Orlando. I really, there's no, we'll talk about them in a second, but there's no team I see that can beat Orlando at the moment. Yeah, Steve Spurrier's Orlando Apollos, 5-0. Uh, um, it's just interesting to me because they've had so much success, and it's just so much fun to see Steve Spurrier going out there and having fun um, like he did in Washington. Just kidding. Um, but... You know what? You love to see it. Um, I think that, you know, his personality, the players just love the guy, and the team chemistry is great, and they enjoy it. I enjoy watching it. It's fantastic. Not a fan. Um, I'm a fan of the Steins, but I will remain loyal mm, to the Steins. But we've had this discussion before. We've Michael. had this discussion before. You can like other teams. But I like. But you have to be. You're a fan. I'm a fan of, of one. Salt Lake Stallions. I'm a fan of one. Let's go around the table. What are your score predictions? 
I'm going to have to agree probably with what Logan's going to say. I have Memphis winning 21-11 to 11 because those are, like, kind of uh, reoccurring scores. So I figured if I just take the reoccurring scores and put them in a different order, I'll probably get right. You're really trying to be right. I'm just trying to throw numbers at the wall and hope they stick. I'm just, I'm just kind of hoping. Because if I am right one time, I don't know if you guys will ever hear the end of it. Well, true. you're seeing the guy who picked the loser score right two weeks in a row. Two, yeah. <laughs> two weeks in a row. Michael just reverse aged on us a yes. little bit there. <laughs> two weeks in a row picked the loser score correctly and won yesterday for basketball. So, you know what? I'm going to say Memphis is winning. Um, wow. 24 to 22. I know I'm. I don't know if I'm going to be right or not, but I'm just feeling a 22 in there somewhere. You I'm also I'm feeling a 22 as Uh-oh. the winning score. You guys connected or something? For, well, we are. It's <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised you picked the Express to win this game. And any toss up, I'm picking my favorite team in. But I feel like this is a toss up. I also have a 22 as the score of the Memphis Express, and I think they'll win 22. I'm showing to off for our listeners, I have to be unbiased, so I'm showing off. You know what I'm saying? I think it's a toss up, though. I think you could take either team. Oh yeah, it's a toss up. They're both. One and four. They're both. You I mean, think it's Memphis? Not battle I mean, the if bad. you think Memphis is the better yeah, team, and you think, think Memphis is the better the team, I don't, I don't know. I think it's battle of the unlucky. Honestly, you know what I'm saying. Four L's like, does not make you unlucky. It does. If you have four losses, I mean, doing something. Like, I feel like. In 20, I feel like the Stallions. I mean, the Express had two and a half games where they started Christian Hackenberg. That's not unlucky. That's just bad management. But the Stallions had two games where Josh Woodrum was injured, which definitely hurt them. I'm not going to hold that against them. Yeah, and look at Cleveland in 2017, 0-16. I mean, just 16 unlucky games. I mean, they were bad. That's, that's bad what it is. That was a bad team. Anyways, moving on, we have more games to get to. Arizona at Orlando, and I think this one is... I have a feeling this one might be close. Ariz- Arizona's hey, having that, that mid-season crisis. I have a feeling. Where, like, they won't. don't know how to win. It was actually really weird. We turned off that San Antonio-Arizona game because it was a blowout at halftime. Arizona actually came back in that game and almost won. They were down by, like, one score at the end of it. So my San Antonio blowout um, prediction was right for about one half. <laughs> and I think that second half is alone to say that potentially Arizona could could give Orlando a run for its money. They could, but I have one note on my in my notes for this game, and it says, I don't see a team that can stop Orlando right now. Do you? I don't. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I want to say the fleet can, but I know I'm probably wrong. <laughs> But I think the Fleet or the Iron are the two teams that have the best chance, honestly. I feel that too. Like I, I don't I don't think there's really any question about that. I think those three are probably the best team best three teams in the league at this point. I just I don't see a team that can stop Orlando right now. They're on a roll. Garrett Gilbert's been playing very well. They've They've been meshing really well, and their defense is on fire right now. I think they're one of their linebackers is the most picks in the league at the moment. I just I don't I don't see a team that can stop them at the moment. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, Orlando, I gotta tell you, you know what? You're really interesting because if they win the whole thing this year, and their starting quarterback says I'm going to Disney World, he won't have to go very far. Um, That'd be Disneyland. That it is failed. Disney World. What am I talking that about? joke failed hard. That joke, Phil, I thought I was going to get a good laugh. I didn't. But what I, I was saying. I didn't see that as much of a joke anyway. Well, well I, we didn't laugh, but we both smiled. It was a geography smiled. joke. Come on. It was a geography joke. We, we didn't laugh, but we both smiled, which is interesting because smiles don't really transfer to radio. If this was a t- <laughs> if this was like a TV show where we're all sitting around this table, it would have been a very good response. But I mean, we, yeah. we could play that standard laugh you hear in uh, sitcoms. If yeah. Yeah. The laugh <laughs> track just, right. yeah, we just yeah. need a button here where we can just play <laughs> a laugh Michael track. Make feel better about himself. <laughs> yeah. That way we don't need to all like fake laugh at each other's puns and things. We just play a laugh track. Okay. Back to what I was saying, um, and in all seriousness, you're right. I think I don't see Arizona. This seems to me like they do have the best chance. I mean, of course, Patrick, you and your bias with the fleet. Uh, They are three and two. It's supported by facts. Well, yeah, I was the one who made that. I was was the one who made that point in the first place. Yeah, it is. It is though, Um, because I agree. I think they do have a shot. So. Will Orlando be dethroned in this game? Probably not. I'm going to give you a score prediction here. I'm going to say Orlando's winning 34, and I will get the. I hope I get at least one of these loser scores correct. I think Orlando's winning 34 to 23. I um, I, I think the real reason you're getting all these these loser scores right because you're just so used to losing. Hey, you know what, man? Ooh. You know what? I don't appreciate <laughs> the shade that you're throwing at me right now. Okay. Am you I know wrong? What? Well, you're right. There we go. Um, I'm still mad. I'm still mad. Ha! Clinton Dix left uh, the Redskins. 
okay. for the Bears. That's but irrelevant. Okay. It is relevant because Redskins have not won very many games. We've lost. But what I'm saying is, is that, of course, as well as apparently my Stallions have done the same thing. But what I'm saying is that the loser scores are right because I've had an algorithm in my head that has predicted them, and I can't explain it. But I've had something going. All right, I'm going to pick my score here. I have Orlando winning, but I have them winning 27 and 25. Because I think really the way Arizona played in that second half against San Antonio, it's just a different team. They played great. And if they can carry that into this week, I can see maybe a potential upset even. I think all these games are going to be close. This is my biggest margin of victory this week, and it is only 12 points. I have Orlando beating Arizona by a score of 30 to 18. All right, now we're going to go to the Sunday games. First one being San Antonio at Atlanta. And Atlanta is now a competent team. Yeah, I think Aaron Murray's really helped turn that team around. I know last week I said I had some skepticism, but I think they proved me wrong in the best possible way to prove me wrong, which is thank God taking my team out. But I think it was I think they faced a tough secondary in San Antonio. We saw they had a pick six last week, maybe even two against Arizona. They two have a tough sec- they have a tough secondary and. Kenneth Farrow is kind of the heart of that offense, I've realized. Logan Woodside isn't a great quarterback. He's good, but he's not great. I think it's going to be an interesting game. I think Atlanta, now that they're competent, I think they have the best kicker in the AAF and Young Haku. I just I think this is a really fun game. It's not quite my game of the week, but it's definitely very close. I think the Sunday slate of games is a great, great slate of games. I see Aaron Murray has just completely changed Atlanta. They, they can win now, which is... Something I never thought I'd be hearing myself say after watching the last the beginning of the season here. Yeah, their defense also looks competent. I was watching them against Memphis last week, and it was tough for Mettenberger to complete passes. He only threw 18 times, and he completed nine of those passes. So it, it's making that defense is making it tough for quarterbacks to throw. This team's kind of experienced a rebirth, and I think it's great to see. I don't think, I mean, I don't think it's going to mean anything this season, but next year they've kind of found their rhythm, and I think. Moving into next year, assuming there is a next year for this league, it's been very successful. I think they've found their footing. Yeah, I agree. I think um, you know, it's interesting because you know Patrick comes out and says Atlanta is now a competent team. I agree. I think they're a competent team. I think they have elevated expectations. Um, I'm proud of them, and I think that in doing so, they've paved the pathway for them to be good next year. And you know what? They beat Memphis, and the Stallions are gonna. I hope beat Memphis. Let's go around Although the I did tab- predict against them winning. Let's go around the table. Score predictions. For I might game. be the only one here. I have Atlanta winning, twenty-nine to I twenty. Don't. There's my upset of the week. That's a big margin of victory, too. Nine points for them. I mean, it's two possessions at the very least. They've been playing great last few weeks. Okay. Aaron Murray is a great quarterback. I have. They will win. San Antonio winning, thirty-two to twenty-seven. I have. The Commanders winning this one 23 to 16. I'm outnumbered again. You, you are. You took Atlanta. It's a, reoccurring, it's a reoccurring trend. You're outnumbered because you took the upset. That's what you should expect. I know, but I thought, I thought, I thought one of you guys would see it my way. You make more money know. by betting on the upset. I may have chosen Atlanta. I'm not betting, well, I may have chosen Atlanta. If you ever wanted to. Here's the thing I may have chosen Atlanta if it wasn't against San Antonio. I feel like San Antonio is a real strong team. And now we're going to go to. Probably what we could all agree on is the game of the week. For the sure. Sunday night game between the Birmingham Iron and the San Diego Fleet. My San Diego Fleet. Is and San Diego Fleet. After seeing that game last week with San Diego and Salt Lake, it's it's kind of an easy pick for me, honestly. I'm probably actually still picking the Iron in this game, but against the Apollos last week, the Iron Curtain, the Iron Curtain, as we call that defense, did look <laughs> fallible. Luis Perez got benched for Keith Price, who I was calling Luis Perez the best quarterback in the AF, and he fell off after that. I think he exposing, I think, ho- exposing cold takes. I, I think I think <laughs> it got I think he heard me and it got to his head a little bit. I think that's what happened there. Keith Price looked good in his offensive, and he actually threw the first passing touchdown Birmingham has had all season. All their touchdowns were kind of get to the goal line and then punch it in with Trent Richardson. But I think I think this is the game of the week. I think. San, Di- San Diego has looked great, and I think Birmingham has also looked great. And I think these are two great teams, and I think this game is one that has potential playoff implications down the road. Yeah, um, completely agree. Um, I feel sorry for Luis Perez, though. What a story. 
um, Division II quarterback, didn't play any football prior to that, and came into this league and dominated the uh, first half of it. Um, sad to see, but unfortunately, life works out that way sometimes. I'm going to have Birmingham beating San Diego in this game. I'll give you a score. 23-12. to 12. It's a lot of points. Um, yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of points this week, and I my, think we're going to like it. My score prediction is higher than that, but you can go ahead and go first. I have the fleet winning. 12-11. to 11. Wow. I have... <laughs> that was a look the, at just... I'm done why? for the day. I was confused because I feel like this is going to be a higher score, a little bit of a higher scoring affair. You have, you have the defense of the Iron. The Iron Curtain, it's, it's going to be a low-scoring game. The Iron Curtain that Orlando put, like, 30 points on last week. See, that's Orlando, though. Yeah, but we've seen it. We've seen that it can be that it's fallible, and I think San Diego can put some points up on it. I it is, but after you get humiliated, you don't want to go back to being humiliated again. Well, also Salt Lake put twenty. Or no, that was against Fleet. My bad. Um, I have a score of twenty-five to twenty-three in this game. I think it'll be relatively higher scoring. I think we've seen higher scoring in the AAF last week. I think it's going to transition into this week. That's good. All right, that's all for our Alliance segment here. We're going to head off the break. We come back. We have a little bit more baseball talk to talk about. You're listening to the Hot Corner. Stay tuned. KCOU would like to remind you that Missouri Tiger football and basketball are brought to you by El Rancho. Catch every Mizzou football game and Mizzou men's basketball game on KCOU 88.1 FM and on KCOU.FM. While you are online, check out El Rancho's website at www.columbiamomexicanfood.com or visit them downtown at 1014 East Broadway. Thank you, El Rancho, for supporting KCOU Sports. Ranger Station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm gonna let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. More fun than a 13-hour binge on Netflix. For KCLU Columbia, 88.1. And welcome back to the Hot Corner. It's time to talk about some baseball free agency. Since we, we've had a show a lot about free agency, first half being primarily the NFL, we're going to switch off to baseball because they're both going on right now. And I don't know if these guys will ever sign. Will they? I don't think they ever will. I got to tell you, we start a bet going. Who's going to sign where before April? I'm telling you, if I'm betting after April, I'm feeling pretty confident. Maybe Bryce Harper and Manny Machado just set the whole thing back so far that these guys are just never going to sign. They feel like the top free agents should always sign first. So now that Harper and Machado have finally signed, they're just like, well, what are we going to do now? You see, here's the thing. I thought them signing would push everything forward. I thought this was going to be like, hey, they signed, so now we're going to sign. Well, no, it worked the opposite way. They took months to sign. It feels like the top free agents should always sign first. And now it's just they're like, well, what are we going to do now? It was a lot of that that Mexican standoff. We're just like, who's going to sign first? They're all looking at each other, waiting for someone to draw. And it's just... That's the, just not what happened. The duel in the in the Western movies where one's just staring at each other and then you get the shot of just the eyes where it's like... <laughs> right. Dun, nah, nah. They're yeah. all waiting for that and no one pulls the trigger. Mm-hmm. No one goes. Yeah, we should probably talk about who we're talking about. We're talking about two pitchers, Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimball mo- mostly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, sur- I'm really surprised Keuchel hasn't signed. That's the biggest surprise for me. You know what? I'm surprised. I'm surprised Kimbrell hasn't signed. That too. Um, Kimbrell had, well, a, yeah. had More a... so than Keuchel. Here's why. Um, you're looking at the best closer in all of baseball right now. Try and prove me wrong. Try and prove me wrong. You're not going to. Um, yes. Why is he not signed? I don't know. Is, it, is he holding out for more money? I don't know. But you're telling me right now that these teams can't use Craig Kimbrell right now? I know the Cubs could. I know the Cardinals could. <laughs> That's what I'd want. I know the Cardinals could. So explain to me why he isn't signed. I don't know. Um, is it is he holding out for too much money? Because the contract he wanted was kind of massive. Can he dial it down a little bit? Maybe. But at the same time, I don't see this guy getting signed before April. And I think it's unfortunate because 
we obviously see this whole issue with baseball where we're paying guys now three hundred million. We just say, hey, it's a great, play, great player, paying three hundred million. Okay, no. All right, sign somewhere, be a good fit for a team. You won a World Series last year because you're great. You deserve a lot of money, but you know, newsflash, you're not a three hundred million dollar player. Because um, no one is. Yeah, nobody's worth that than, kind of money. I don't other understand. Other than Mike Trout. No yeah, Mike Trout is, is the modern day Babe Ruth, but. What I'm saying said is... Said by yours truly. <laughs> said by Patrick Henry. And I agree with you. I tweeted you in that. I said, hey, Patrick, you're right. But yeah, Craig Kimbrell, I'm the most surprised. He is the most dominant closer, and he will elevate any bullpen that I think he gets into. Um, and he'll be unstoppable. And I just... There, I there, there, was, there was rumors with him signing with the Braves, and I've heard some a little bit through the grapevine about the Nationals, and nothing just kind of fell through. There was just nothing. Same thing happened with um, Craig Kim- Kimbrell, I can't say that name. There was rumors of him signing with the Phillies, and then that just kind of fell through, and now they're both free agents, and the season is weeks away from starting, and no one signed him yet. There was, there was that, that feeling that if the Phillies didn't get Harper, they were going to sign Dallas Keuchel. Now since they got Harper, like, damn, we don't want to spend no more money. We're done spending our stupid money. Yeah, right, right. And it was stupid money because they spent stupid money to get him. But you know what? You're telling me right now that a pitching staff can't be upgraded. I think... Every pitching staff can be upgraded right now, and that's with signing Dallas Keuchel. Um, you know what? If he's holding out for too much money and he dials it down, I think he'll get a, he'll get a good signing in. But I'm telling you, I, I think these guys are holding out. They're thinking, okay, I'm a $150 million player. That's me, baby, right here, right now. Okay? Nobody's worth that kind of money. You said it. Okay? Nobody's worth that kind of money. And I think if we dial down the contracts a little bit, instead of making it like 14 year these 14-year, you know, billion-dollar deals, you know what? And we dial it down a little bit, I'm thinking these guys get signed. But because of this massive, you've seen this massive increase in the dollar sign for these guys, and that's what's preventing them from signing. And I think it's a shame because, you know, you're seeing a lot of these good-quality players that are still at home watching television. And these two aren't the only ones. Gio Gonzalez hasn't signed and right. Carlos Gomez. Yeah, Cargo's a bit surprising, too, but he has fallen off a little bit. Um, but at the same time, you know, even with guys like that, I He's think the dollar sign's old. going big. Yeah, the dollar sign's getting too big, in my opinion. I think it's it's hurting guys. I wonder if we're going to see a situation in which the season starts and maybe injuries start happening or maybe it's just a situation where the season starts and teams figure out what they need and then these guys start signing places. Maybe it's a thing in free agency where, like, there's a guy sitting out there and a player gets injured or performance issues and a player gets sent. Like, we see with kicker in the NFL a lot where just good kickers are sitting out on um, in free agency just available. And then either injury or performance issues, a player gets signed. Like, you guys both know my favorite kicker, Cairo Santos. Cairo Santos. He was a free agent, and Greg the Leg Zerline for the Rams got injured, and the Rams brought him in, then they released him, then the Bucks signed him because their kicker was having performance issues. So I think you see that a lot in professional sports, and I think you can, I think you might be able, you might start seeing that this year with these good free agents that are sitting in the and I, and I think the saddest, the saddest casualty of this free agency thing is the fact that our Lord and Savior, Bartolo Colon, is not signed. That makes me sad. Because baseball needs Bartolo. Yes, he does. Yes, Morning, Bartolo needs baseball. Yes, it does. A moment of silence for Bartolo Cologne. <laughs> Bartolo Cologne. How old is he, by the way? He's up in his 40s. He's old. Yeah, that's why. I mean, I was going to say, it's like, are we looking at Jamie Moyer here? Like the Jamie Moyer years? Because what, I, what's, what's crazy about Bartolo is that he still, he throws like 80, 88, 89. He can right. still locate. Jamie Moyer could not throw above, I think, 70. And that was like after going 70. three innings. He, was, he pitched in a game, and you obviously know this, when he was 50 years old. And, like, that to me just blows my mind is how, you know, how durable some of these guys were. And, honestly, I got to tell you, somebody can use Bartolo Colon. I promise you. I know the, I know the Orioles bullpen. could. Yeah, I know the Orioles could, <laughs> the too. The Orioles need all the help they can get. Right. Um, that's why they should sign Kimbrell, too, and Keiko. That but, wouldn't be enough for that team. Yeah, I, I don't think anyth- anything anybody is going to solve the problem that is the Baltimore Orioles right now. But, Any man that is 5'11", 285 pounds... And still playing professional sports is an inspiration to all. Yes. 45 years old, he might not play professional sports again. It might be time to hang it up. But It's, it's, an, inspiration it's an inspiration for all of us here with the dad bod. Like C.J. Anderson and Antonio Gates. Possible. 
they can still if they can if all if those two CJ Anderson and Antonio Gates can still play professional football, maybe we can too. We can all go run a mile. Yes. I, I'm getting inspired in here. <laughs> Everyone after the show, go run a mile with us. Actually, probably won't <laughs> run a mile, but probably not. It's too cold. You can you can go you can go run a mile if you want. Go do it. Yeah, we well, believe in you. We we here at the hot corner believe in you, and we here believe in you and your efforts. We support you. Go run a mile. <laughs> run a mile right now. Go run a mile. Uh, if Bartolo Colon can do it, you can too. If Bartolo can hit a home run, we can all hit a home run. This has been a PSA from the hot corner. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we're going to head off to break, but keep listening because we're going to come back with our signature segment, The Final Word. Listen to Hot Corner. Don't change that dial. Man, am I glad to see you. What are you doing on this deserted road? Some guys from school drove out here and we're going to start fooling around with drugs. When I told them all drugs do is mess up your head and get you in a lot of trouble, they kicked me out of the van and drove off. You're right not to get involved in the drug scene. Nobody with any sense wants any part of it. How do I get home? That's no problem at all. Looking for a fun night out in Columbia? Check out a concert at Cafe Berlin. Looking for that great brunch after a fun night? Cafe Berlin has you covered for that, too. Check out their stacked concert schedule and brunch menu at CafeBerlinComo.com or check them out at 220 North 10th Street. Also, follow them on Twitter and Facebook at Cafe Berlin and on Instagram at Cafe Berlin Como. That is our sign. It's time for our signature segment, The Final Word. And I have a funny story for you guys here. I think this might be one of the best you've had on The Final Word, personally. I know Logan knows it. I don't think you know it, Michael. I don't, and that's why I'm looking forward to it. All right. So, for those of you who don't know, the world-famous Iditarod race happened in our favorite state of Alaska in the past week. The race is near... 1,000 miles from Nome, Alaska to Anchorage, and is one of the biggest events in the dog racing world. But something was different from one of the favorites to win this event. For Nicholas Petit, it was a nightmare because he had to drop out. And the reason why he had to drop out is, is very strange. It's because of mutiny by his dogs. And now you may be no. wondering, what does that mean? Well, I'll explain it to you. One of his dogs wanted to take a bathroom break. In the middle of the race, the old, one of the older dogs is like, hey, I don't want that to happen, and then jumped on top of him in disagreement. Petit tried to yell and tell the dogs to stop, but they just wouldn't listen. He raised his voice, but that only spooked the dogs, which caused them to stop running and just put him in a standstill. And I will quote what he said to the Press Herald, and I think it's one of the funniest quotes I've, I've read in recent memory. Everybody heard Daddy yelling, which doesn't stop, and they wouldn't go anymore, anywhere. He said to KTUU. He then proceeded to bring his dogs back to his cabin at Shack Tulik, where he then proceeded to pull out of the race, not because of the health of his dogs, just because they just didn't want to do anything. And I think <laughs> it's just that that's just so symbolic of how some of us feel in the mornings. Waking up for our 9 a.m. classes, and you sit there like, you know what? I don't want to do it. And then you just don't. Yeah, so to peek behind the curtain a little bit, Patrick found this story and he sent the head, just the headline to me and it said, Mutiny by Dogs Forces Racer to Drop Out of Race. And I was like, I, 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 sent, I sent a message back to him because I wasn't sure if I read the headline correctly. I was like, wait a minute, did that just say Mutiny by Dogs? And sure enough, it, it did. It said Mutiny by Dogs. And I think that is a, a hilarious story. It is. That was fantastic. It is, it is a work of art. Oh my goodness. Michael, um, who's your hero of the week? Uh, my hero of the week, and Patrick ha- played a role in this, actually. Uh, shout out to him for helping me out with this. And I completely um, supported him in a, favorite, a, f- a favor, uh, this largely because Jordan Geist, um, in my opinion, for his heroic performance yesterday, getting those 25 points and the day before, and just putting the team on his back, has also done an incredible amount of charity work in Columbia, um, impacting the local youth, the book clubs that he, he's played an integral role in. At West Middle School in Columbia, 
Um, he's which uh, it also gives him an opportunity to mentor coming of age boys. Great Discord about life lessons and read a book together during monthly meetings, as well as Toys for Tots, as well as many other charities. In addition, very very involved um, in this community. Jordan Geist, uh, not on the team next year as he is a senior, will be dearly missed. Yeah. Also, the team's points leader. He was he was the best player on the team this year, and very upset. No to- question about it see him go he was the centerpiece of that team this year it's, it's always nice to see these players giving back to the community i think that's right. what makes professional sports and college sports so important is that these guys use their their uh, their level their platform platform that's the word i was looking for to support change in the world and i think that's important for us all to look at yeah you see that right. a lot with professional athletes too and it's nice to see them doing that at the college level you don't necessarily see that all the time but it's good to see Good to see Jordan Geist doing that, and hopefully he continues that into the pros. Yeah. Or the European League. Yeah. As you guys know, I like to give, like, get you guys going into your weekend with a feel-good story, something to make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. This week, I have a story that comes to you via the magic of Twitter, is how this happened. There was a girl on Twitter. I don't have her handle, but I will retweet something from her account via my own personal account and Hot Corner Sports, so go check that out after the show. But her name is Rachel, and she has a son. Son's name is Balin. And he had a school assignment that was a bucket list. And, you know, he has things play in the NFL. He's a football player, get a new dog, get $1,000, stuff like that. Then number four on this list is see Can't Guard Mike. And obviously, if you know about Twitter, Can't Guard Mike is the Twitter handle of Saints wide receiver Michael Thomas. So Rachel, the mother of... Balin tweets this to um, Michael Thomas and says, meeting you is on my seven-year-old son's bucket list. Michael Thomas sees this and comes back and says, DM number on social media. I will FaceTime him tomorrow. Let's get number four checked off. And this happened on Tuesday. It did happen. It was a very fun video to watch. It made me smile. And I will retweet it, like I said, on my own personal account if I haven't already. I may have retweeted it when it happened. And then, so at the Logan Friends, go check it out there. And you can check it out on our Twitter account, at Hot Corner Sports. I'll retweet it on both. It was a fun video to watch, and it made me feel good knowing that these there are some NFL players that are stars like this that kids can look up to and are still down to earth. It was very nice to see. And go check out our Twitter account at Hot Corner Sports. It'll be there, and it'll be on my own Twitter account as well. It's always so nice to see. That's fantastic. Who doesn't love today's youth? They're just you know great people, um, you know getting out there, and obviously uh, Michael Thomas giving back and making this kid's day. Love to see it. Love to see it. Wonderful. And that is going to be all for us today. Make sure to check us out at Hot Corner Sports. I'm Patrick Herring. You can follow me at Patrick Herring. You can follow Michael Imami at Imami Michael and Logan France at The Logan France. And I hope you all have a wonderful weekend and a great Friday. And make sure to tune in next week, same place, same time. This has been The Hot Corner, signing off.